From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Big Story Podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. I'm David Hawkins, Senior Editor at CQ Roll Call, and with me in studio is Dean DeCharo, who covers immigration for CQ, and joining us on the line from Capitol Hill is our education reporter, Emily Wilkins. Why would we put our immigration and our education reporters together? The answer is obvious. To talk about President Trump's decision to sort of fulfill a campaign promise by ending President Obama's program that had granted about 800,000 people who'd been brought to the country illegally as children immigration amnesty of sorts in which they could stay in the country and work. Now, why do I say sort of? Because the president has instead turned this over to Congress and given them a six-month deadline to either affirm his own idea or President Obama's. Why didn't he just make the decision himself? Dean, why didn't he just make the decision himself? Well, from the beginning, President Trump's problem with this program, uh, as well as the problem that many Republicans had with the program, is that they said that Obama never had the constitutional authority to form it in the first place. Uh, This was always an issue that should have been legislated, Republicans said, and by effectively kicking the can down Pennsylvania Avenue, Congress now has a chance to do that. Emily, uh, you're joining us because you're our education reporter, and many, many of these 800,000 people are uh, in college Uh, or in school of some sort. Um, What are they supposed to do during the next six months? DACA students, students who are DACA eligible, I mean, they were actually attending college before the DACA even program even came into existence. So for some of these kids, they're they're losing protections, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they're suddenly going to have to quit school or that they're no longer going to be able to attend. By the way, let me let me interrupt you here, Emily, just for a second, because I need to be reminded, and maybe our audience does too. What does the acronym DACA stand for? <laughs> it stands for Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. That is it. That's it. Okay, and. Again, the other term that's inevitably going to come up as we talk shorthand is the term DREAMer. Even I don't know what that acronym stands for, although I think it's anybody? Well, a DREAMer, uh, you can make the argument that all DACA recipients are DREAMers. Not all DREAMers are DACA recipients. Uh, DACA, the program that Trump ended yesterday or set in motion the end of yesterday, uh, is a program that DREAMers who are brought to the United States before their 16th birthday were allowed to enroll in if they agreed to uh, remain in school or work a job and in the meantime didn't commit any criminal offenses. But a dreamer is a larger cohort of people. It's essentially anybody who was brought to the U.S. by their parents. Correct. We refer to most undocumented youths who have lived here for most of their lives as dreamers. And actually dreamer, I actually learned this before we got on the air, There is dreamer actually is an ac- acronym which dates back to the, when this the first legislative um, proposal was made, actually back in 2001, to sort of shield these people. And it stands for some collection of words that have been lost to history. Right. But we're, the, we're not making a value judgment here. But we, that's interesting that you bring that up, though, because, you know, Trump has now asked uh, Congress to deal with something for which there have been legislative solutions offered for almost two decades now. Um, it's not as if... Uh, this is the first time that Congress has ever been asked to do this. What is different this time is this six-month time frame, which is already appearing to be slightly more flexible than it was yesterday because last night Trump tweeted 
that if Congress can't fix this issue in six months, he will revisit it. And we're not totally sure what that means. And he just said a few minutes ago that he hope he has he d- hopes he doesn't have to do that. But you know, a lot of the things that we're hearing on the Hill right now are Republicans saying we have the ideas for dealing with this. There is the Dream Act, which was first voted on in two thousand one. Uh, and has been reintroduced this year. There's also the Bridge Act, which is something that Lindsey Graham and Dick Durbin are pushing. This would just grant uh, DACA recipients three years of temporary legal status to give Congress an additional time frame in which to solve this problem. There's also other proposals. Tom Cotton, who is an immigration hawk, not someone you would ever expect to support legalizations for dreamers, has said that he would vote to protect them if they if the legislation were paired with a reduction in legal immigration levels. Orrin Hatch has said that maybe we could work something out to do with high-tech visas. Tom Cotton, Republican senator from Arkansas, who right. may be running for president in 2020. Orrin Hatch, senator from Utah, who is almost certainly not running for president ever. There are, <laughs> there are varying Republican proposals on how to do this, whether or not the Republicans could come together uh, on an issue that they have historically not shown much uh, Unity consensus right. on um, is what remains to be so, seen. So, just to to lay out here, sort of, the, there are two really two factions within the Republican Party, right? There's the sort of pro business faction that says we should do something about this, and then there's uh, nativist nationalist America first Republicans who say these people should all be rounded up and deported. Impractical though that may be. Well, Jeff Sessions, the Attorney General and former Senator. Uh, would who certainly fits into that latter group would consider uh, calling it pro worker uh, as opposed to the other the other side, which as you said is is pro business. On one end, there are Republicans who believe that a shortage of DACA recipients would cause a labor shortage and have major economic impacts. And on the issue of of immigration generally, not just with respect to Dreamers, uh, these Republicans believe that. Uh, an immigrant labor force is overall a strong thing for the U.S. economy. Jeff Sessions, Tom Cotton, Steve, the Steve Kings of the world, House conservatives, tend to believe that immigrants, especially ones without legal status, are stealing American jobs. Any evidence that this is true? Jeff Sessions didn't put any out yesterday when he announced the end of the program. You know, overwhelmingly, the evidence shows that immigrant labor is good for the economy. Emily, uh Presumably, immigrant, uh, smart, smart immigrants uh, getting through school is also good for the economy. Do we have any numbers on um, how many of these eight hundred thousand uh, DACA recipients are in the workforce versus in school? There are some numbers out there. I know that every year the Center for American Progress does a study where they look into it. It is a little bit hard to get exact numbers. I mean, most of these students, they will register with the program, but it doesn't, from my understanding, necessarily track exactly what they do uh, once they become a DACA recipient. I know that of, for example, in the University of California, um, about it's got about 200,000 students, and the university itself estimates that 3,800 of those students are undocumented, and most of them are going to be with DACA. I mean, the big thing about DACA for a lot of these students is that they get this temporary social security number. They get the ability to go out into the workforce. For a lot of the students, I mean, that that's kind of the end goal here is to start working in the U.S., um, you know, start contributing to their families and their communities. If you're an undocumented person, I don't, I'm asking a question of either of you. I, I don't know the answer to this. 
we hear tale of undocumented dreamers actually joining the military. I mean, they can just do that. They can nobody asks questions. They just they go, they sign up, they're allowed to serve. Yeah, and actually another legislative proposal um, that Republicans are putting forth is is uh, one that would uh, allow DACA recipients to uh, obtain lawful status if they serve in the military. There are definitely undocumented people uh, serving in the military, and you know there are various issues associated with that. One of them, um, which isn't what we're discussing right now, but is interesting, is uh, the number of veterans who have been deported and whether they should be continue. Uh, continued to to have access to their VA benefits uh, whilst living in Mexico. So do either of you have are willing to uh, predict uh, what whether Congress will meet this six-month challenge from the president? And if so, what the contours of, uh, of meeting it might look like? I think the big question is, can Republicans figure out a way to do this? The onus is certainly on them. We're going to see proposals. Democrats that, are totally, I mean, they're unified, right? Well, yeah. And, and the other thing is that Democrats have said that they certainly won't agree to this if the terms are that Trump gets money for his border wall while uh, protections for dreamers or, or attaching by attaching the border wall to protections for dreamers. The issue is, can Republicans come up with something that will garner Democratic votes? And they tend to say that a standalone dreamer bill is the only thing that will do that. So actually, we've seen more openness towards getting this done from Republicans, including Republican leaders like Paul Ryan, than we have from Republicans at any time since President Obama introduced this program in 2012. And here is a clip of what he had to say just before he went on the air. So President Trump was right in his decision. He made the right call. I'm also encouraged by the fact that he gave us time to work out a consensus, to find a compromise because um, these kids don't, for the most part, don't know any other home than the United States. Emily, what are you, what are you looking for from, from your beat? Well, so one of the interesting things that I found is that just so many people within the higher education community are really pushing Congress at this point to make sure that at the bare minimum that DACA uh, becomes something that's codified into law, that legislation is passed protecting this program. What a lot of people in the higher education community would really like to see is something like the DREAM Act passed. They don't just want these students to know that they're not going to be deported. They want these students to actually become legal residents of the United States. I think that's something they're looking for. Dean is the, um, I've already been asked by a couple of my, my friends who I've talked with about this in the last couple of days. What about the wall? Is there is the wall going to get mixed up in this? Is, is this some Machiavellian scheme by the president to uh, take care of the DACA people in return for getting money for his wall, or is that not what you've heard yet? Well, it's unclear. Uh, it's certainly true that Trump wants his wall money. Uh, it's also certainly true that we've heard him say on numerous occasions, despite having called for an end to DACA as on the campaign trail, uh, say on multiple occasions that he wants to deal with the dreamers with heart, with compassion. He has recognized that these people have been here and that they don't know another home in a lot of cases. And so, you know, he hasn't gotten behind a specific legislative proposal, but he certainly has expressed a desire to help these people. At the same time, the wall is his hallmark campaign promise. And Republicans are uh, in lockstep with him in terms of wanting to get that done. The problem is whether anything 
that has wall money in it can get eight Democratic votes in the Senate. I doubt that the DREAM Act would pass if Democrats uh, had to also fund the wall. But that's something that we'll have to wait and see. Even though people saw this coming this week, I was impressed by sort of what a huge outcry there was yesterday from the Hispanic community, from you know, people who feel feel like this this was important to them. The President Obama put out sort of on on Facebook or Twitter and social media the sort of eight hundred word op ed piece, uh, which I don't, which former presidents don't normally do. Anyway, it just seems to have uh, an already busy September. What with North Korea, the debt ceiling, uh, federal spending. Um, taxes, maybe healthcare again. Suddenly, this seems to have become, at least this week, sort of issue number one, the big story, which is why we're doing it on the Big Story podcast. Is the momentum such that it could actually get done by the end of the year, or do you feel like this is going to be next year, or do you feel like maybe it won't even happen? I think that there is consensus among Democrats, moderate Republicans, and even rank-and-file Republicans that this is a population in which the American taxpayer has invested they have gone to American schools. They work uh, among us. You know, Democrats like to say that in all but uh, legality, they are Americans. And, that, and that, could, that could be the momentum that is needed. At the same time, we've seen already on various issues, uh, hardline conservatives hijack a number of these things. And I think that if they decide that they are going to be opposed to what they previously have considered an amnesty, that could be a major issue going forward. Emily, what happens if March 5th comes and goes and there's still no legislative solution? How do you see this playing out in the real world? Well, what's very interesting right now is that a number of colleges have deemed themselves sanctuary campuses. Uh, they have policies in place that say that campus police officers will not be working uh, with federal immigration officials, that they won't be responding to requests to detain students so long as students haven't committed a, a very violent uh, crime. The University of Pennsylvania and even Harvard University have said that regardless of what happens to DACA, that they are going to continue to help and support their students, and they're not going to be sharing information with the federal government that could lead to their students' deportation. And Dean, what uh, will happen here in D.C.? Emily was mentioning not handing over information. You know, most of these DACA recipients, the government already has their information. When they signed up for DACA, they gave their address, they gave their phone numbers, they gave their, their names and, and other identifying factors. So if by March 5th, Congress has not passed legislation to deal with this, and Trump does not uh, opt to revisit the issue, as he said, these dreamers who are enrolled in this program uh, will start to lose their benefits, their work permits, their deportation relief. And as they do, on a rolling basis, lose their protection, uh, they could be subject to deportation. Now, Homeland Security officials say that there is no plan to target DREAMers for deportation. There is no plan to change current enforcement practices in order to target DREAMers. But the reality is that if DHS sticks to what the president has said, on March 5th, these, these benefits will start to expire. They'll expire on a rolling basis. Homeland Security is giving people time to renew their benefits, so some people won't lose their benefits for several years. But this program will start to wind down, and unless something is done, uh, you know, 800,000 people who were previously granted somewhat lawful status in the United States will begin to lose that. And as, as we said at the top of this program, the president himself has suggested that he could do something 
despite what he did this week, that he's tweeted out in recent hours that he might come back in March and and extend the program himself. So uh, this will clearly be a big story for the next six months. I hope that both of my guests will join me to talk about it sometime going forward. We had from Capitol Hill, where she's busy actually covering another story, uh, Emily Wilkins, our education reporter, here in the studio with me, Dean DeCharo, CQ's immigration writer. I'm David Hawkins, the senior editor at CQ Roll Call. Thank you all for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or NPR One.